The South Carolina Gamecocks proved once again on Sunday afternoon why they are the number one team in the country for women's college basketball. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. I am Andrew Line of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast and also the lead staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank you for making Locked On Gamecocks your first listen every day where we cover the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina Gamecock athletics. Before we get into today's show of Locked On Gamecocks, I want to let you all know that this show is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to Faster. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash college. That's LinkedIn.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. South Carolina defeated number three LSU 88-64 to on Sunday afternoon. They were the final two remaining unbeatens in women's college basketball. And it was a really good stage, honestly, for this game in terms of women's college hoops. But at the end of the day, South Carolina got the job done once again, remaining undefeated, extending their winning streak to 31 games. And they are now officially the last unbeaten team remaining in the sport for this season. The main takeaway from this game is this. Everybody brought it on Sunday afternoon, including the fans, which we'll talk about near the end of this segment. And the main takeaway also fights against the notion that this team is just Aaliyah Boston and Zia Cook and everybody else. Because in today's age with sports, and honestly, with the way sports has been for many decades now, We always gravitate to the superstars on teams like this one, teams that just dominate the rest of their competition in their respective arena. But on Sunday afternoon, South Carolina's basketball team proved in multiple ways that it's not just Aaliyah Boston and Zia Cook and then everybody else. Everyone on the team brings something valuable to the floor. So let's start with Aaliyah Boston and the front court. And we're going to talk about Aaliyah Boston first and foremost because she had the biggest matchup for sure out of everybody on the team yesterday as she faced off against fell National Player of the Year candidate Angel Reese from LSU. And Aaliyah Boston from what we could all see, won that matchup handedly. She still drew a bunch of double teams from the number three ranked team in the country on multiple occasions yesterday, which just showcases to everyone the respect that teams still carry for her across the board. And the thing is, she finished with a modest stat line at the end, 14 points and nine rebounds, right around her season average up to this point. And it took everything that she had to get that. She certainly had a lot of one-on-one opportunities on the low block as the game sort of continued to play out. South Carolina's guards really tried to make it a point to feed her the rock at times, but they didn't really force feed the ball to her, which is what makes her 14-point and 9-rebound outing even more impressive. And in terms of her defense, you could honestly argue that Aaliyah Boston's defensive performance was more impressive than what she did on the offensive end. Her and Victoria Saxton both 
basically shut down Angel Reese. Angel Reese, just for context, she came into this game averaging 23.5 points and 15.8 rebounds in 23 contests up to this point in the season. Essentially, Angel Reese has gotten a double-double in every single game. She hasn't had one-off game where she only got like nine rebounds or eight rebounds. No, she's gotten a double-double every time she has stepped out onto the court this season. Against South Carolina, Angel Reese was held to 16 points and four rebounds. She shot five of 15 from the field, and she got nine of her 16 points in the fourth quarter. So basically, when the game was actually a lot closer, a lot more tight, Angel Reese just could not do anything against South Carolina's front court. So the front court deserves a ton of credit. Victoria Saxton deserves a lot of credit for her defense. Because again, I know that some of y'all, especially after maybe the UConn game, you felt like that Victoria Saxton should be taken out of the lineup. I think that she proved in spades on Sunday afternoon why Victoria Saxton starts because of what she does off ball, because of what she does in terms of the grunt work that does not get noticed in the final box score. So credit to Aaliyah Boston, that front court for handling one of the better players in all of women's college basketball on Sunday afternoon. Let's move on to Zia Cook and the guards. The pace of this game was tailor-made for Zia Cook. Zia Cook is a player that, especially after now having a few years to mature in terms of the mental aspect of basketball, she thrives on playing fast. She thrives on playing in transition, off the dribble. Basically, every portion of the basketball game where things, where the speed ratchets up, Zaya Cook, that is exactly the kind of speed that she wants to play at. And she took advantage of that when it took place in Sunday's game. She scored 17 points on 7-15 shooting. She was not afraid to attack the basket. All the guards were like this in Sunday's contest. The thing that really stood out to me was the fact that the guards played with way less hesitation on Sunday. They were not afraid to just stop about 15-18 feet out from the basket and just put the basketball up and see if it was going to go into the hoop. And guess what? South Carolina is so deep on this roster that literally just about everything that they threw up all went in. Kier Fletcher made some solid mid-range jumpers. Raven Johnson made a couple near the free throw line. And Zia Cook as well. And again, she thrives on shooting the basketball off the dribble in the mid-range. That has always been the area that, in my opinion, she has excelled at the most with her offensive arsenal. And she showcased that again against the LSU Tigers. How about Bree Beal, by the way? She has completely transformed her game this season. Bree Beal's always been known as, well, she's going to be the lockdown defender for South Carolina. But offensively, for many years now, opponents of South Carolina, whenever Bree Beal has gotten the basketball, they would honestly lag back. They would dare her to take outside shots. And admittedly, the first couple years, it was understandable. Bree Bill did not shoot the ball very much. South Carolina, again, especially a couple years back, was really bad about trying to always go down the low block. But now, Bree Bill is someone who is a respectable outside shooting threat. Made a couple threes yesterday with a defender running up right at her, which, again, a couple years ago, she probably would have missed it. But now, she is full-blown swishing them like they are nothing. 
So, does that mean that Brie Beal is now going to start shooting three-pointers like she's Stephen Curry? No, it does not. But it really means so much to the Gamecocks offense when they get that kind of performance from Brie Beal because it opens everything else up a little bit more. Kara Fletcher played the best defense out of the guards on Sunday afternoon. She was phenomenal against Alexis Morris. And Alexis Morris, look, if you're going to give anyone credit from the LSU Tigers, give her credit. Alexis Morris is a WNBA guard. She's probably the most athletic guard that they're going to play all season long. She gave South Carolina's backcourt a lot of trouble in the first about 15 minutes of this game. Scored 15 points, I believe, by the five-minute mark in the second quarter. Don Staley put Kiara Fletcher back out onto the court and basically said, your assignment is simple. Lock down Alexis Moore. Slow her down. And Kiara Fletcher did just that, especially after what happened in the UConn game. Real credit to her for bouncing back because her basically starting and then being benched four minutes into that contest for the rest of the game, that would have affected a lot of other players, but it did not affect Kiara Fletcher. So credit to her for that. One last point on this game. How about the fans? I mean, you cannot talk about this game without talking about the fans or the fans, as Don Staley and the women's basketball team like to call them. Sold out 18,000 fan capacity at the Colonial Life Arena. Uh, I watched the game back a little bit on TV. I was there in person, though, and I can promise y'all uh, it was loud. I actually thought at some points that, you know, I maybe should have brought some earplugs just to make sure that my eardrums did not burst. That is just how loud it was on Sunday afternoon, especially when the team went off to a 6-0 start at the very beginning of the contest. LSU, you could just see it in their face. When they were walking back to their bench after Kim Mulkey had called timeout, they were shell-shocked. They realized, I think, at that point, oh, this is not like any other game, any other environment we have played in at this point in the season. And that's exactly what the Gamecocks fans set out to do. And you accomplished that on Sunday afternoon. So to the fans that went to the game, massive credit to you because you made that game a much tougher out for LSU either way just because of your presence. And I can guarantee you social media was ablaze with how the environment looked and sounded on Sunday afternoon. So congrats to Dawn Staley and the women's basketball team. A massive win again over the LSU Tigers as they remain unbeaten and they will be taking on the Florida Gators later on this week. Now going on to football and the recruiting front for Shane Beamer and company, there's a couple of pretty solid developments from the last weekend that took place for the coaching staff. What were those developments? Do they make a top 15 for a particular tight end prospect from the 2024 class? There's an in-state prospect that seems to have a top three, and the Gamecocks are heavily in the mix. We're going to dive into all of that in just a couple moments right here on Locked On Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members that you surround yourself with. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs because you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, experiences, and more to help you achieve your goals. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus other leading competitors in the industry because LinkedIn Jobs helps you pay, or excuse me, helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to 
faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Once again, that is linkedin.com slash college. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Welcome back to this Monday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. Thank you for making Locked On Gamecocks again your first listen or watch every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball, where you'll find everything you need to know about college hoops in just one place. Plus, you'll hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and also wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so let's talk about a couple of recruiting developments for Shane Beamer and this coaching staff on the football front. Starting off with 2024 safety target Kelvin Hunter, who, according to an interview with Sports Talk Media Network's Phil Kornblut, officially has a top three in mind. And that is the South Carolina Gamecocks, the Michigan Wolverines, and the Virginia Tech Hokies. And regarding South Carolina, he told Phil Kornblut, quote, they have a big spot in my recruiting right now with that visit. The visit that he's referring to being the junior day visit that he took late in January. So why do we need to track Kelvin Hunter? Well, here's the thing. In terms of targets for the 2024 class to keep an eye on, Kelvin Hunter, first of all, he is an in-state prospect, like I mentioned earlier, playing at West Florence High School up in the upstate. So Kelvin Hunter is certainly somebody that, you know, with how South Carolina has recruited the state in the last couple of months, is one to probably watch moving forward. South Carolina has been in on Kelvin Hunter for a good while now. And when watching his film, Kelvin Hunter, he could be a future star at the strong safety position for the South Carolina Gamecocks, a team that admittedly, if they've struggled in any area for the last couple of years, it has been rush defense. Kelvin Hunter, from what I saw from his junior season film at West Florence High School, could be the elixir to fixing those problems. He is an explosive rusher on punt return. He blocked, get this, four punts this past fall alone. He also can be a massive help on punt teams. So this is a kid that is not afraid to play some special teams, and you know that Shane Beamer, Pete Lembo specifically, would love that to a great extent. He absolutely flies around the football field, both up the field and laterally out of the safety position in the box. Basically, there is little to no wasted movement or time that he expends during a play. He is really good at diagnosing offensive plays that take place behind the line of scrimmage. So if it's a screen pass, Kelvin Hunter is all over it. If it is a speed option run, Kelvin Hunter is all over it. And here's the other thing. Even if you run a play successfully to the opposite side of the field, away from Kelvin Hunter, he is someone who is a willing pursuer of the ball carrier, and he does a great job of taking angles to where he catches back up to where the play is occurring on the field, and he's a pretty solid tackler as well. This is a guy that is a superb athlete, essentially. He's got really good instincts, and it would not take this guy very long to see the field if he were to come to Columbia because I know that the safety position is really starting to get stacked with talent here in Columbia. When you talk about Nick Emmonwara, you talk about a DQ Smith, and then a guy like Jalon Kilgore, and a couple others maybe back there as well. 
Kelvin Hunter would slide right on in and would be next in line behind those guys if he were to come to South Carolina. Overall, again, he would see the field in some capacity in year one if he were to commit to Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks. Now, the other update or development that took place this past weekend was with 2024 tight end prospect Kylan Fox, who released his top 15 on Sunday afternoon and included the Gamecocks. And the other interesting part about this top 15 list, shockingly, he did not include the Georgia Bulldogs. The reason why this is shocking is for a couple of reasons. One, Georgia is the home state team. And for a kid that is looked at as one of the better tight end prospects in the country, how much Georgia loves to use tight ends, you would think that Kylan Fox would be someone that they would be heavily pursuing. I'm not sure, of course, what the deal is on that end, and especially considering the fact that Kylan Fox has taken, up to this point, four recorded visits. It's very surprising that Georgia was not a part of his top 15, but what this also means is this recruitment is wide open. South Carolina is, of course, a part of the discussion here, but admittedly, they are probably behind a couple of other teams, more notably other teams like Colorado, a Louisville, Florida State, and an Ohio State, all places that he has taken visits to in the past few weeks or so. Now, if he were to come to South Carolina, he would be a great addition alongside Michael Smith, who of course committed to South Carolina again just a couple of weeks ago because he is that modern tight end. He is a flex tight end type that can go out to the slot, maybe even line up outside the numbers, that has great release, great speed, really good ball tracking ability, and he also has a nasty mean streak when it comes to being a blocker in the run game. And the thing is, South Carolina is not going to let up in this recruitment. Wide receiver commit Mazio Bennett told on threes Chad Simmons after he pledged to South Carolina that Kylan Fox was going to be a guy that he was going to talk with, that he was going to communicate with, and try to recruit to South Carolina. And again, as we have seen with the Jonathan Paler recruitment in the last few days or so, with him saying South Carolina is the leader by a pretty decent margin right now, uh, this coaching staff does a lot of their work behind closed doors and in silence. It's not always work that is publicly displayed out for all the fans to talk about. So you have to trust that Shane Beamer and this staff, especially if they like Kylan Fox enough and they would like to get another tight end, that they are not going to give up here in this recruitment. But again, I do believe that he's only taken one visit up to this point in terms of coming to Columbia. So this staff is going to have to try to get Colin Fox back on campus, back at South Carolina, especially with all the recent momentum that they've built up. This is probably the most opportune time to get a guy like Colin Fox, a guy that maybe is sort of teeter-tottering between, you know, am I going to consider South Carolina for my Final Five, or am I going to, you know, take him off the list and look at some other programs? This is the best time to get those kind of prospects that are sort of, you know, borderline in terms of their interest back on campus. Get them here for spring practice. Talk to them about what you're building, the guys you're bringing in. I guarantee you that he's paying attention. Guys like Colin Fox are certainly at least going to keep track of what all is going on in Columbia. Now, the second phase of this whole ordeal is you got to get him actually back and checking out your facilities, the football team, and the like. So again, Colin Fox, Gamecocks are in his top 15, but they've got some work to do here, in my opinion, if they want to really get back into the race here for this blue chip prospect out of Grayson High School in Georgia. 
All right, now a couple moments here. I'm going to talk to you all about what I'm going to do in terms of previewing the upcoming baseball season here on the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. And also, for those of you who are watching today's show live, I will answer any questions that you have regarding any topic. If it is baseball, basketball, men's or women's, football, football recruiting, you name it, you can feel free to drop any questions you have in the chat. And I'll do all of that in just a couple of moments right here on Locked On Gamecocks. But first... Today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar. Are you looking for a delicious treat? Maybe a different kind of protein bar because, again, you're sick and tired of the same old stale stuff that you've been getting at the grocery store for the past few months or so? If that's the case, you've got to try Built Bar. Built Bar is healthy, it's extremely enjoyable, and it comes in a variety of different flavors. It's only got 130 calories. 4 grams of sugar, and also a whopping 17 grams of protein. You can get these bars at your local Walmart or Sam's Club right now. If you go to Walmart, go to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a 4-bar box that includes cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. At Sam's Club, you can grab a 13-bar box that includes brownie batter and churro. I promise you, you're going to thank me later because Built Bar is where tasty is the new healthy. All right, thank y'all so much for tuning in to today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. Really do appreciate all of you. So real quickly, I'm going to talk about what I'm going to do in terms of baseball previews for this week. So I'm not going to really dive too deep into the baseball team today because admittedly, I still got to do a little bit of preliminary research in order to really get myself up to date on everything that the team is going to have for this upcoming season. Obviously, been a lot of change since this past baseball season concluded. The Gamecocks, I believe, brought in 14 high school signees, including one Eli Jerzenbeck, who... We're going to definitely talk about later in this week as someone that could factor into the starting rotation here for South Carolina. The Gamecocks also brought in eight transfers from the portal, considered to be one of the better transfer portal classes in the entire country this past offseason. And they also added former Clemson head coach and Gamecock assistant Monty Lee to the staff. So there's a lot of people that, based on what they've added this offseason, that think that South Carolina could indeed be due for a bounce-back type season, that they could maybe not only make the regionals, maybe they could host a regional. Maybe they could make it to a super regional. There's even some people that have been throwing out the O word a lot in the past couple months, the O word being Omaha. Obviously, for South Carolina, they want to indeed get back to Omaha. It's something that they haven't done since they went on their magical run between the years of 2010 and 2012. But to get back to the preview, what I'm going to do for this week, I'm going to break it up into probably three different sort of segments or shows, me talking about the baseball team. I'll talk about sort of the pitching staff on one day, then probably the infield on a different day, and then use the outfield discussion on maybe the Thursday or Friday show, and also going to try to get some people on the show throughout the season that really and truthfully can talk Gamecock baseball with the best of them, some people that are from the area. So be sure to tune in for all of that because I promise you it's going to be some of the best baseball coverage that you can get. And also it's going to be a type of coverage that you don't see completely across all the podcasts, all of the different outlets that cover South Carolina. So Really excited for that, and of course, baseball is just a really, it's a great sport, and it's just something that's really awesome to take in during this time of the year, so really excited about all of that. All right, 
Let's see. First question here. If Kingston doesn't deliver this season, is he finished? Well, it depends on what you mean by deliver. What are the expectations for Mark Kingston? Is it to obviously probably get back to the NCAA tournament? I will say this. If the Gamecocks did not make it to the tournament, then Mark Kingston would probably be in some trouble. There's no question about that. If the Gamecocks make it back to the NCAA tournament or the regionals here, then for South Carolina, it probably depends on what all happens in the regionals. So again, it's all going to depend on what you view as him delivering. I think that I will say this. If South Carolina made it to a super regional, I think no matter how they do it, Mark Kingston's job would be safe. So I certainly do think that it would all depend on sort of how things ended up there. But I think that obviously this is a prove-it type year for Mark Kingston, especially considering the fact that last season was South Carolina's first losing season in over 20 years. I think the last time was like maybe 1996 or 1997 uh, when they had a record sub 500. So, uh, and again, I'm not going to make this a continuing discussion immediately throughout the entire season, okay? Because it's really tough talking about the job security of one particular coach. Of course, that doesn't mean I'm going to beat around the bush and, you know, try to overlook maybe some obvious deficiencies that maybe the team might possess during this season. But I'm certainly not going to every single Monday or Tuesday, talk about, okay, well, the Gamecocks didn't do good this past weekend, so what does this mean for Mark Kingston and his potential future here? I'm not going to talk about those kind of things. That That's just, it's not going to be a worthwhile discussion because at one point, I will eventually just start talking in circles because there's only so much you can say regarding that. But there's no question, Mark Kingston and this staff, they do need to deliver this year, and I think that they understand that to a great degree. I think that's why you saw them do so much in the transfer portal. I think that's why you saw him accept Monty Lee as a assistant coach on his staff because Monty Lee, you know, I'll be interested to see how much he can help Mark Kingston this season. If Mark Kingston uses him as more of a sounding board in terms of maybe critical in-game decisions, if he, you know, runs it by him, it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out. So certainly a lot of storylines for South Carolina and their baseball program this spring. All right, looks like y'all do not have any more questions. So if that's the case, that is going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show as always. What were y'all's thoughts on the women's basketball team and what they did against LSU on Sunday? What do you think they proved against the Tigers? What are y'all's thoughts on the latest recruiting updates for Shane Beamer and his staff? Being in the game for Kelvin Hunter over at West Florence High School. And also... If they can continue to stay in the race for Kylan Fox, a tight end out of Grayson High School over in Georgia. And lastly, what is y'all what is y'all expectations for the baseball team this upcoming season? Let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section. If you're watching today's show on YouTube, or you can shoot me a direct message at a line underscore SC on Twitter, and I'll try to respond to any comments that you have as quickly as I see them. And once again, don't forget to make Locked On College Basketball your second listen or watch now that you have watched or listened to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. But once again, y'all, that does it for me on today's show. Have a great rest of your Monday and a fantastic start to the work week. And I'll catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.